Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Roll for Persuasion, your weekly show where I chat with creators and entertainers about how their nerdy loves and then tabletop gaming and different things they do influence their storytelling and creativity. I've got one of those awesome people with me here today. But before we get to that, I want to, of course, shout out my fantastic sponsor, Hero Forge. You know them, you love them. They are the platform creators, all in design studio for making custom tabletop miniatures for your tabletop games. Uh, They're fantastic. They have so many options to make the exact miniature you're looking for. You can even digitally paint your miniature, see how it looks right on screen, order it, and it will come to you already colored if you're not feeling like painting. If you want to paint, you can do that too. You can do basically whatever you want. They have new content coming out all the time. So make sure you go check them out, heroforge.com. Follow them on social media at Heroforge Minis on all the major platforms. And uh, yeah, they're, they're fantastic. They support so many creators in the community. And I very much appreciate that they support this show. So thank you to HeroForge. Y'all go check them out. And without uh, any further ado, I'm excited to welcome in my guest today. Um, they're a tabletop RPG creator because I, I think in their own words, like just doing a fuck ton of stuff these days, right? Paladin, how's it going? Oh, it goes, man, it goes. How are you? I'm good. I, I liked that description of how busy you are. I feel like that is applicable for many of us in this uh, creative field. Yeah, I wrote a tweet like... I don't even know how long ago, I, I, and I can't find it either, but it said work, finally you, I'm trying not to stutter, but like I'm, I'm so exhausted these days. It said, do what you love and it'll consume every waking moment of your life. Right. Versus the, oh, you'll never work another day in your life. Oh no, if you're doing what you love, like you're probably saying yes to too many things. <laughs> you're probably not setting the best boundaries and you're, uh, you're probably not sleeping well enough. So that's very true. Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't got health insurance, so I have to panic instead. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's that's the other. That's uh, People are like, what's your coping skill? Panic. Just I just have an existential crisis every Thursday, and then I go about my life. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. So TTRPG creator, uh, what all, like, at this moment, does that encompass for you? Like, what all does that involve? Uh, of things I can say publicly... Uh, we're getting pictures of the hardcover this week. Oh, that's uh, exciting. And, and provided no other delays, hardcover ship out next week. Um, I'm running a stream for that on Fridays. Uh, and I'm working, I'm finishing up Polyhedral right now. I've been interviewing like just a, a mess of people in the industry about different things. I actually, are you familiar with the term bleed? I am, yes. Term? Yeah. I interviewed the person who coined that term for, for playing RPGs. That's very interesting. Yeah, I didn't even know at the time when I, I spoke to her to get her on my list. But yeah, Emily Care Boss coined the term bleed kind of offhandedly because of some theater stuff she did. That makes total sense. It is, it is a, a term I've you know definitely heard when I was doing theater. but um, And so then mm-hmm. the first time I heard somebody talking about it in context of a vampire game specifically... Uh, it made a lot of sense because, I mean, you get so deeply invested in the character and role that you're playing. Like sometimes it is hard to, uh, to, to disconnect from that. So you got to talk with her about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, trying to finish up transcription, but like you ever, I'm sure you have direct experience with this, but you ever like listen to yourself talk and think, oh, oh God, I have to edit this. 
oh, transcribe this. There is a very good reason why this show has minimal editing done to it, and it is in no small part due to that. Yeah, I got told that it's like three minutes to transcribe one minute of audio. Yeah. Uh, I've done like th- around 30 interviews so far. Oh, man. Each one is about 100. Each one is around anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours long. Uh, times that by three. I've had to listen to myself talk a lot. Well, I, I know we all tend to be fairly self-critical of ourselves, but uh, I would tell you that you have a fantastic voice and you know, I would have no problem editing your voice, which I will at some point, but, but you know, it could be worse. You could have like a Gilbert Gottfried thing going on. <laughs> well, that'd be interesting. But no, I, <laughs> After that many hours though. Yeah. Like any, anything that you hear often enough kind of lose its meaning. Right. It's weird to listen to your own voice and, and just feel disconnected from it. How I talk now is a result of having to hear myself talk and me going, I have to make this easier on people. I have to, I, I, I sound too much. I'm like got a bunch of marbles in my mouth for some reason. Oh my gosh. That, I mean, on the flip side, that is, you know, one of the best ways to improve speaking or recording is listening to yourself. Cause you start to pick up on your own idiosyncrasies and you're like, oh, I need to stop doing that thing. Yeah. But I, I very much relate with that, having done uh, journalism, you know, through college and whatnot and having to transcribe interviews for the newspaper and just like not even necessarily my voice, but just the amount of time it takes. And especially like I'm pretty severely ADHD. So it was a lot of rewinding and playing the thing again because I would get distracted halfway through a sentence and like it can be brutal. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned polyhedral. Explain for the people listening who might not be familiar um, what polyhedral is, because I'm pretty excited for it to uh, for it to come out. Sure, uh, polyhedral is a Twitter joke gone horribly awry. Uh, I was working on Cena Una last very heavily last year, mm-hmm. and around around actually March of last year, I I just got frustrated. Because working on these books is sometimes a very daunting and frustrating task. Sure. And I went on to Twitter going, oh, you know, I, I'm going to make a book. I'm going to make a book all about making these making these stupid RPG books. I'm going to make this book. I'm going to talk to other people about making these books. I'm going to talk about, joke about marketing. I'm going to joke about getting art. I'm going to joke about doing editing and getting writers. And then, like, it's clearly in a very joking way. Right. And then, like, a bunch of my, at the time, uh cohorts and peers were like hey that sounds cool bring me in coach and my only response was <laughs> you know i'm fucking joking <laughs> right. you know i'm fucking joking look at me in the eyes jaron you know i'm fucking joking um the joke's on me yeah uh it's about a year later i'm nearly done with this thing it's pretty crazy you did a successful kickstarter for it so so at least you're not you know you know, going completely out of pocket, hopefully trying to, trying to make it, make it happen. Oh yeah. It's, it's, I'm relieved that I got, that I got paid to do this essentially via kicks, via Kickstarter. Sure. Uh, the one thing that I'm, how do I phrase this? The one thing I wish I had said before was I've been saying to every single one of my guests saying, Hey, I'm going to record this only. I will have access to audio and video. And if I had not said that, and it said like, hey, I want to have access to audio and video and possibly a transcriptionist. And they will sign an NDA or something. <laughs> yeah, it would have made my life a whole lot easier. Yeah. But oh. like for me to go back and fix it now would be to email like 30 people. And I don't know, 
writing like an email, it takes up energy anyways. I, sure. I may as well just transcribe it myself, which I, I have been. It's essentially been like a, a one and a half person uh, operation here. Well, and, it, and and you've got a great lineup of people you've been speaking with. Um, did any of those interviews, you know, from people either I, that you knew or maybe, I don't know, did you approach people that you didn't know and maybe you were talking to for the first time in the interview? Oh, most of the people in that book I, I was talking to for the very first time. Were any of them, I mean, obviously, you know, you have some some fairly well-known names. Obviously, Matt Mercer is, you know, on your list and, and most people in the community know who Matt is. But did you have... Um, anyone that you spoke with in the book that you were surprised at like, Oh, I wasn't expecting the conversation to be like this or like, you know, I, I, th- I thought this person was going to be one way, but then it turned out like I got a totally different vibe. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I, I tend to not have any expectations for people. Um, but I got to talk to a bunch of people throughout this community, a bunch of people throughout this industry mm-hmm. and, uh, being able to see different people's experiences and get their insights and whatnot. I don't know. I feel powerful. I, I feel like a threat right now. That's, that's, that seems like really awesome energy to have actually like a really good vibe. Yeah. Um, I think one of the nicest interviews I did was with, uh, Johan and Pelle from Morkborg to, to, uh, are you familiar with Morkborg? It's a, it's, I am, yeah. it's some of it. Yeah. And you've seen, it's like been, it's like ultra violent and like very, deadly aesthetic right right to the nicest people in the world just a, just a total kind of contrast between the the game or vibe itself right yeah Pele Pele uh researches COVID-19 oh okay and so and so at one point we're joking how like he would be uh researching on how to save people and then writing this game on how to kill people <laughs> balance balance in all things really yeah got to talk to keith baker and like i don't know keith baker is very influential on me as well because when i was getting into D at around the same time that's when ebron became a thing sure uh and talking to him and talking to him for the third time ever uh was really nice because the first time i ever spoke to him it was very much in a very fan appreciative way and me really trying not to cry Wow, because uh, it was just kind of overwhelming to be able to talk to someone who had such an influence yeah. on how I write. Yeah, I, I've been lucky enough in doing this show to to have a couple of uh, people I got to speak with who had a similar kind of level of influence on me and either like my storytelling or um, just even my experience of life, if that makes sense. And it was, it was kind of a very similar thing. It was like, okay, okay, I have to I have to do the show and do this interview, but like you had such an impact on me and I don't want this whole episode to be just me telling you like, man, you're amazing. You, you influenced me so much, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, I, I get that. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of the way through, I had to remove someone who I'd already interviewed, uh, mm. because of uh, things that came to light. Sure. And in their place, I added some more people, uh, and talking with them was great because I got, with one of them, I got some immediate insight, some, some immediate advice on just, yeah, if you have an idea, just put it down in a book. You might not have time or resources to do it now, but you might be better equipped to do it later. Sure. Which is better than just like, yeah, I'm going to store it in my mind palace where it's definitely secure and I won't forget about it. Ever. The, the safest place, the mind palace. It truly is. It truly is. Yeah. So you mentioned, obviously, that, um, you know, co-director of Sina Una. I was lucky enough to have uh, Lucia on a little over a year ago. 
Um, I think kind of at, at the beginning of all of this, it was, it was awesome to talk to her and kind of hear some of like the, the background of the book itself. Um, but here we are now, you know, like you said, you're right around the corner from the hardcover releasing, right? So what has the journey of that project been like for you? Oh, well, I will say first off that making these books is like, it's very stressful when you're making anything that's culturally appropriate, culturally accurate and respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, we tell people all the time that like, you know, making this stuff is very hard. You need to be prepared for it. You need to be prepared for a lot of emotional labor, prepared for a lot of having to do things correctly. And then knowledge that if you mess up, it'll be stressful. And we tell that to people and we're pretty sure no one is taking it seriously. We think people hear us and they go, oh yes, a friendly warning. Yeah. Um, no, I want to say for the record that if, if we're telling you this, it's a threatening warning. And if you go into these books, into this create this creation stuff, uh, half cocked, you will destroy yourself. Sure. Um, it's, these things are stressful even without putting in your entire identity on the line. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we did this in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so take everything you just said and how true it all is and then put a global pandemic on top of that. Yeah, it's um, mm, I not fun, not fun in the least. Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because I can't run away from this conversation. Sure. So this is my coping mechanism. It's not funny. I'm just <laughs> just like, what else can you do? Sure. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much like we had to do a lot of uh, sudden scrambling. We had to do a lot of recalculating for our budget. Uh, we actually managed to get Hitpoint Press as our publisher. Yeah. And they helped us out uh, with expanding our art budget. Because the plan originally uh, was to do, was to have this Indiegogo campaign, which if anybody's listening to this, don't use Indiegogo. Whatever problems you have with Kickstarter, it's the best platform to do any kind of crowdfunding on when it comes to tabletop stuff. Don't go to Indiegogo. It's where dreams primarily go to die. Duly noted. Uh, yeah. Um, if you make it there, you are an exception, not the rule. Uh, but it was to do different stuff throughout the year, like selling dice or doing any kind of like charity programs, or like doing craft funding, more like fundraising programs and whatnot. Yeah. And then the world shut down. Uh, and we were like, oh, well, hmm, this ain't fun anymore. We have to somehow get art still. And thankfully, our publisher was able to help us out with getting more and more money to, to send to artists to get art. Sure. Um, and I don't know. It, it was very stressful going from... Huh, going from just hardly anything to what we have was kind of a roller coaster. Yeah. Because we initially seen that Uno was going to be like two classes, a, a few monsters, and like one island. Right. And Lucy and I had had a conversation about, hey, we should add more stuff for players and DMs, otherwise they can't really engage with content aside from reading about one island. And it went from like maybe being like a 70-page book to being a 330-plus page book. That's a that's a bit of a uh, what do we call that? Um, scope creep. 
Yeah, yeah, scope yeah. creep is the right term. Like we went into Kickstarter knowing I keep saying Kickstarter for shorthand. We went into the Indiegogo knowing that we're gonna make a very large book. Um but I don't know. I'm happy with what we have. I'm happy we we made it that the size that we did, because we can't make Cena Una too, you know? Sure. Well, are you um at at the end of the day, do you do you feel like you accomplished what you wanted to with it or Oh, entirely. Yeah. Like we, we made a thing that is what we want it to be. And from people's reactions, it is everything that they were hoping it would be. That's pretty great. It feels, it feels rare to be honest. Sure. Especially, I mean, with all the different issues that you guys ran into, um, you know, what, whatever was going on with Indiegogo and obviously the, the, the pandemic and then just the stress of, you know, a, a project growing to, to be able to come to the end of it or, or close to the end of it and look and say, yes, that is, this is what we wanted to make. And we pulled it off. That's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, so you do, <laughs> you do a lot of stuff and you can't even share all of it. Um, do you find that you are still able to enjoy games and, and gaming despite it taking up so much of your time as like your career and, and bill payer to be honest for a while. No, <laughs> when I first got into, into this industry, I was working for strictly Lucia back in 2019 during that summer and September, and October and whatnot. I was doing more work on, on game stuff and I found myself having less time to play with my friends. Yeah. And when I was there, I couldn't focus on the game in front of me because I was so focused on the work. And I didn't know how to draw this line between work that actively filled me and I enjoyed and the stuff I just do to goof off my friends. Sure. It was very, very hard to draw that division. Um, Nowadays, I'm fine. It just took a while to adjust to actually liking what I do for work because I've worked a bunch of really shitty jobs in my life. Yeah. Um. And being able to do stuff that I, I genuinely love and enjoy was surprising and difficult to draw boundaries for. Like recently I stopped, I, I recently I gained the ability to play a video game and not think, oh, what kind of mechanics can I apply to this? <laughs> right. This play in a role playing game, yeah. I can turn that part of my brain off for a little bit. That, and I feel like that's something I don't hear people talk about enough is, um, you know, we joked at the beginning about, you know, uh, the, the tweet you saw about do something you love and you will, you know, essentially be burned out um, because like it can some it's not always easy, but in theory, it's easier to draw a boundary between a job you don't like and the fun part of your life. Right. Like you're like, OK, well, at least Friday's here. The day is done. You know, now I'm going to go do the part of my life that I care about or that I have, you know, joy or creativity in until I have to plug back in on Monday or whatever it is. But when you when you are working in a creative field, especially if you are self-employed as a creator, so that means you're hustling on different projects, it can be so tricky, like you said, to draw that line because you, you're the thing you enjoy is everywhere. It's part of everything you're doing. But there's also work and deadlines and all this stuff and, and figuring out how to let those things coexist without running over each other and sucking you dry. Uh, that, that's hard. It's tricky. Yeah, it's hard to draw lines between what gives you joy and what gives you joy. You know, thing, right. times being what they are, it's hard to really want to stop feeling happy. 
And when you are unable to draw a line between what makes you happy and your own life, it it can sometimes run amok. Yeah, that whole idea of uh, of bleed again, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I clearly remember working on Sina Una in the very, very, very early days, and getting back from Gen Con twenty nineteen, and being there with my friends and playing D anD D. And I remember thinking how, like, the week prior, I was at Gen Con around all these industry people, all my industry friends, these people I talked to on Twitter, who I'm now friends with. I got to meet some people that I worked for, some people I really admire, got to make some genuine connections that I still maintain today. Like, you know, what a friend of mine right now are working on a, on a, on a project that, you know, I can't talk about, but I only know that that person because I went to Gen Con. And I remember being there, being at my friend's place, a week later thinking how are these two parts of my life part of the same life yeah i had such joy last week and i have joy with my friends now but it's hard to just be here again hard to really be here fully when i was work when i worked on Sina una i can feel like how i did at that convention why would i ever want to stop and that's a that's a toxic mindset. Yeah, I don't recommend that mindset ever because it destroys your relationships to other people. Um, but I, I just couldn't help thinking that because I felt so much, I had so much serotonin from that first convention. Right. The, the The temptation is just to like dive, you know, keep chasing that uh, chasing that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the the aware, I mean, at least being able to be aware of what's going on and being able to call it what it is. I mean, that's such a big step to establishing and maintaining those boundaries. So, you know, props to you for recognizing that. Thank you. So you said you got into, you know, the industry or I I guess kind of like tabletop publishing, you said in like 2019 was kind of when you started. Yeah. That's when I started working on Sina Una. And and when did you kind of, when did you really decide like, Hey, I want to, you know, TTRPG content creation, whatever that might be. Like when was that kind of, you know, has it always been in the back of your head or, or was it a spontaneous thing where you're like, oh, and suddenly I woke up and I'm doing this. What was that kind of like shift or growth like for you? The the full shift happened after the first day at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Where like I, I printed out this really shitty pamphlet. And I'm sure if any of the people that I that I know who went to Gen Con, who saw it, they'll know what I mean. I printed out this really shitty pamphlet with my very basic graphic design skills. Uh, Cause I only learned, I only picked up graphic design in October, 2018. Mm. Um, this really shitty basic printout pamphlet. I think it was maybe 13, 14 pages long in, in full color with some of the art we had some very rapidly typed out text to accompany some images. And I went to Gen Con with that. And I kind of baited people into asking me, what do I work on? Because the way that I, I was talking to people was like, yeah, you know, I like this. I guess yeah, I work on my own thing right now. And I'm, I'm really, and I was really keeping the conversation on what they were working on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you get hit a lull and <clears throat> people would say, Hey, so what do you do? And I said, well, I'm working on this book. And I showed them the Sina Una thing. And I think what really clicked it for me was, we started working Cena, we started working on Cena Una stuff because we didn't know anything about the mythology or culture. And I was talking to someone 
I'm not going to mention the company because I don't want uh, them to be like, hey, don't say this about us. Sure. But this very, very large company that's in the industry that recently got a revival um, with one of their major IPs, one of their people said, hey, I've been wanting to learn about Filipino mythology for ages, but I couldn't find anything. And back my head, I went, hey, I'm your guy. Yeah. I, I'm making this thing. I can be the guy who informs you. Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> and from there, it kind of escalated. It just kind of snowballs. Are, are you surprised now here in, you know, 2021 in the middle, hopefully end inside of pandemic that, um, that this is what this, this is what you're doing now, that this is a thing that you can call your career. I'm happy it's my career. Uh, but sometimes I just think, wow, what a weird made up women's call life I lead. Yeah. Cause I wake up and very seriously go, how can I make dice rolling fun? Right. How can I add merit to rolling some pieces of plastic? Uh, and, and it is a very whimsical fairy tale like life. What I'm leading right now. Cause I get to focus on game stuff instead of working some retail job and being yelled at. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I do not miss uh, working retail and getting yelled at. Let me tell you. I definitely do not miss being called racial slurs while trying to sell shoes. Yeah, that seems, uh, I would, I would assume that is a little much. Yeah. Cause like, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, it's, it's weird to say this, but like, it's one thing to be called a slur. It's one thing for people to never get your race rights to call you whatever slur they can think of. Mm -hmm. I think working at a shoe store, I was called overall 50 different slurs and not one of them was about me being Filipino. Yeah. Which like, cool. Here's your very weird silver lining. <laughs> right. If you can find any, I, I suppose that's it. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think anyone's ever accused racism of being wildly intelligent. So that's not yeah. surprising. Yeah. Well, that sucks. I'm glad you're not having to do that anymore. Yeah, same here. Same here. It wasn't good. Wasn't good for my mental health. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, man. People suck. You know, sometimes a lot, a lot of people don't, but a lot of people do, especially when you're working retail or service industry or someplace yeah. where people just feel entitled and, and, see you as a service and not a person yeah and which isn't to say that like working in this industry is free of sure. people who are who are just despicable but like it's a lot easier to avoid them when i'm in this industry makes total sense yeah my friend tells me that i have a somewhat intimidating presence online because i use full and proper punctuation and how i talk to people <laughs> and all i can think of is that can't be the reason and <laughs> And I'm also thinking, good. Yeah. You, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, playing like D&D &D with your friends and games. When did you get into gaming and like tabletop in particular, like that part, that kind of storytelling? What, what's your origin tale, if you will? Sure. Um, so I got, I caught the bug when I was like, uh, very young. My dad played D&D &D when he was growing up. And when I got, he, I got old enough to listen to, you know, story time and my dad telling stories, he told me stories of him playing D&D, &D. Mm. Uh, which is wild to be told uh, the D&D &D stories of your father who 
when he was playing D&D very heavily, drank a lot while in the military in Germany. Okay. That's, that's a lot of different factors all coming into play at once. Yeah. No, my dad, my dad went, was in the American military, was stationed out in Germany and he and his pals were like in their early twenties. So when they're spare, uh, spare off hours, they would play D and D and drink. <clears throat> so e- hearing all those drunken D and D tales, which, you know, got weird. Sure. Uh, got me going. Yeah. I want to tell weird stories with like this. What is it? D and D. Cool. That I want to, pl- I want to play that. When can I play that? Yeah. Uh, and for years I was constantly going, Hey, when can I play D and D? Hey, when can I play D and D? I've been reading all those books. I have all your books here and I'm reading them. Father, when can we play? Yeah. Uh, and I started playing with the advent of third edition D and D. Okay. Uh, and from there it has slowly eaten up more and more of my life. But like theoretically in a good way, right? Oh yeah. No, it's been nothing but good for me because I've, I've made friends. I read a lot more. I focus on very weird things these days because of it. Cause I, I don't know. I get very bored of seeing the same stuff mm-hmm. and seeing people do what they think are very unique things, but are just kind of rehashing of old things. So they don't know the history of TTRPGs. Yeah. Uh, and I have a career because of it. You know, I get to spend, I get to wake up, think about, yeah, how can I make this story about this dryad unique? Mm-hmm. How can I make, you know, just, it's really hard to put into words eloquently what it's like to work in this industry without sounding like a complete goofball. I, I get it. It's like, it's like trying to say the word bubbles very seriously. Like, yeah, you could, <laughs> but you're still saying the word bubbles, man. I'm just trying to picture like Robert De Niro or Al Pacino or like Denzel, like saying bubbles and pulling off seriously. And I don't think I can think of the dude from uh, Lilo and stitch Cobra bubbles say his name with that kind of intensity and not break down in laughter. It's impossible. I, I personally cannot. Um, it's like that. where like, when anything I say is going to sound very, very, very non-serious, but I get to wake up and do that. Yeah. I get to wake up and make store, make tools for people to tell stories. I get to, t- I get to do all kinds of weird stuff. I get to talk to dice manufacturers and pay manufacturers about like making cool stuff for the things I'm working on. I get to wake up and, I don't know. These days we're doing a lot of project management and I get to say, Hey, we need this art right now. Hey buddy, I like your prices. Your prices are fine. I will send you money in exchange for art. Thank you. Yeah. But like, uh, I, I don't want to name, name the artist or the project, but recently I, I got in touch with an artist who had been inactive on social media for like five years. Oh, wow. And who I convinced was no longer doing art or was dead. And I sent an email just in a Hail Mary. And now, provided that the timeframes work out, I'm going to be able to hire them for 11 pieces for a book that I'm working on. That's awesome. Yeah. And I admired this person's stuff way back when I was getting out of retail. You know? Yeah. So being able to hire them for this kind of stuff feels nice. Yeah, that's to, to be able to come, you know, full circle like that. Um from being an admirer to a collaborator. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Where, where do you want all of this to go? Have you thought about that? Like, do do you just want to keep like doing what you're doing and creating content and, you know, project managing and making kind of things happen? Or do you have kind of like a, like an ultimate goal of where you'd like to end up in this uh, wacky, weird industry? I, 
it's weird because I, I know a lot about the history of TTRPGs and I can see the kind of patterns that play out. Mm-hmm. And things do improve, things slowly improve. And I want ultimately to be a key factor in how things change for the better permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, I can make this industry better. And as long as I do it right, as long as I have a conscious mind about it, no one is going to be able to really disagree with me unless they're being obstinate or a a grognard about it. Sure. Which is very prideful of me. I I fully admit it's weirdly prideful of me. I'm not unaware of that factoid. But I do want things to be better. I do think I'm in a position to make things better. So I do want to do that. Do you feel pressure or responsibility because of that? Like, do you feel, um, I don't want to say beholden, that, that, that feels like too strong of a word, but, but when you're talking about trying to improve an entire industry, um, do you feel, just do you feel pressured by that? Like, like you're trying to achieve something or is it more of a, like, no, this is a thing I get to go and try and do. Oh, I definitely feel pressured, but it's definitely a pressure that I created myself. Uh, it does I, make a difference, yeah. Yeah, I have definitely lived my life according to how I want to live my life. I, I, there, have been, there are definitely consequences for it, both active and passive, both in my active day-to-day and in my mental day-to-day. But, I don't know, my parents wanted me to do two things growing up, which was to get good grades and find something that I would love to do. And it's taken me, uh, as of the 11th of this month, 28 years to do that. But I got to this point doing what I wanted to do, doing it the way that I wanted to do it. Yeah. So I figure if I can just keep doing the things the way that I want to do them, I'll eventually will get what I want. It feels like a good mindset to have. It's, it is... If only because I'm in an entitled position to do so. Sure. Uh, I'm not ignorant to the privileges that that support me. uh, But I'm in a position to make things better. So it's kind of irresponsible for me to do otherwise. That makes total sense. I want to take a a quick second to give a shout out to another um, fantastic sponsor on the show making these awesome interviews happen. Um, and real quick, just for them, I, I'm so, I love these people so much. And it's the team over at Die Hard Dice. Um, they're just a fantastic, fantastic group of people uh, who do wonderful things in the community and to make a difference in their local community and to support great causes with the, uh, the very fun, you know, business of making dice. Um, so go to dieharddice.com, check out whatever dice they have. They're doing great stuff uh, right now. When we're recording this, we're kicking off Pride Month. When you hear it, we'll kind of be halfway through the month. Um, but they're doing great things in support of Pride Month and um, the LGBTQ community. And so definitely check them out. Love that team over there. If you want to, you can even use my code to help support the show. And you'll save like 10% on your order, which is cool. So just take whatever month it is, put the word ROLL in front of it, R-O-L-L, and that's your discount code. You listen to this in June, it's ROLL June. You listen to it in August, it's ROLL August. It's a simple setup. So just do that. Um, you'll support the show and of course support your dice habit, but big thank you to die hard dice, uh, not just for supporting the show, but for what they do for creators and the community at large, love to be a part of what they're doing. 
So Paladin, we, I'm curious because you have what I consider one of the coolest Twitter names, not just in TTRPG, but just in general, because you're at HTT Paladin, which is clever and fun. I'm just curious, is there, is there some sort of story behind that name or was it just like, this is fun and makes sense? Oh, uh, like, like how most of my life plays out. It is a joke that has gone horribly awry. Uh, it, it's it's supposed to just be a, a a parody of the term white knight. I got you. <laughs> I get uh, it. <laughs> but uh, it, it's worked out very very nicely for me. It's uh it's it's solid branding for sure. It, I mean, and so was it was it purely a joke? There's no like, oh, I always loved playing paladins, and I really loved unsecure websites. So. <laughs> I mean, I do like playing paladins. I definitely played a lot of paladins in 3.5 D and D because of how 3.5 D and D had this thing where, like, they lo- they loved to give all these different like minor bonuses and different splat books, mm-hmm. and then didn't talk to other splat books about possibly going. Hey, let's not do this. This might interact with something else. Uh, weird. Um, so you wind, wound up being able to do this thing called charge smite with a shield and deal times for your smite damage, which is like uh, fun for a player, not so fun for a DM. Um, but no, the name itself was complete accident. It's a complete accident that's worked out so well for me so far. Like, I'm really happy with it. Well, that's but- <laughs> that's much better than like taking your old like. AOL Instant Messenger screen name and making that your thing and then being filled with regret like four years later when you become more popular and you're like, yeah, I am, you know, XOXO underscore Thunder Falcon underscore XOXOXO, right? <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. I have a bunch of old Deviant Art accounts that I will never claim to own <laughs> right. because of the names of them. <laughs> I at one point went through and systematically deleted whatever accounts I could remember from like my junior high, like high school, early 2000s age. I was like, nope, doesn't need to be on the Internet anymore. Doesn't need to be on the Internet anymore. Just doing a purge. Yeah. Yeah. Just, hey, so I'm never going to use this again and no one must know. (laughs) It's like it never happened, hopefully. Yeah. So what are you, uh, what are you doing for fun these days? Like, like, do you have, do you have time, you know, we were talking about boundaries and you said you've been getting better at it. Do you have time to play? Do you get to play in any games that you're enjoying right now? Yeah. Um, I get, to, I play seldomly, but I, I have been playing mass effect again with the released legendary yeah. edition. I've been going between that and Genshin impact. Very nice. I, I never, my roommate in college was huge into Mass Effect and still giving me a hard time about this. I could just never get into it for whatever reason. And so it's mm-hmm. still in my head as a game that I should play, but I just, I never did. And I have a kid, so I probably never will. I don't know. The idea of a game that you should play, it bothers me. Kind of like how sometimes yeah. you'll go like, yeah, I haven't watched this TV show or movie. And people go, <laughs> You haven't seen Breaking Bad? Yeah. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. Well, change your life. You, don't even know, you don't know about Heisenberg? Come on, he, blow, he blows up a game? You haven't heard of Heisenberg? Like, Come on, bitch. No. Don't you, you don't get any of my inside jokes. Yeah. It's so exhausting. It's annoying. People sometimes. Uh. <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah, I do like that. Uh, that rejecting of that, like, games you should play. Um. 
just play just play what's fun you know what sometimes for me uh there's a game called into the gungeon uh that's like a, a roguelike like it just it loops forever and yeah. i've poured hours into that game and it makes me far happier than any open world sprawling you know i've i never i never beat elder scrolls and i have more fun doing this so i'm not going to feel bad about it i mean to be fair like most of those open world games they're not good they just feel they just have a lot of space yeah and with elder scrolls elder scroll games nowadays they're just there for you to to finish them and not really complete them that's a great way to describe it yeah like i have never been there have been few times in my life where I've had a very sad, somber, depressing gamer moment than playing Skyrim and completing Skyrim and just being left with this world that will not change and will not move forward, will not ever adapt or improve, will always stay the same no matter what. Now that right. I'm done with all the quests, all the side quests, all the side things, and I've done all the, all the grinding to get higher skills, I've completed Skyrim and then became irrevocably sad. I get that, yeah. Like, those games are never meant to be completed, they're meant to be played for a while. Yeah, and I think I think the struggle where I have, and now we're just getting into game design in general, is, is games like that. Um, this is why I've never beat any Castlevania, is because if you leave for any period of time, and then you try and come back, you after, you know, playing hours and hours and hours of a game, it's so hard to not only remember what you were doing and how the game works and like what your quests were and like the little things that you took for granted because you've been playing it nonstop, but like any, at least for me, emotional investment that I had in the story has been vacated because I've been removed away from it. And so it's just, it just, it's just work because I have to remind myself how to play. I have to remind myself all the little tricks. I have to like stretch all those muscles again and like I'll try and I'll be like, nope, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to do this and I'll just move on. Yeah. Like, I, I clearly remember going back to RPGs that I hadn't played in years. And you ever try and play Dragon Age Origin and picking it up from the middle? <laughs> I had enough trouble trying to pick it up from the beginning. Yeah, no, you, you start from the middle and you're like, I can pause this in mid-combat? What? What do you mean I have to heal? What? What do you mean I have to... Right. Positioning? What's positioning? What? And it's, it's especially hard when you're playing the higher difficulties because those higher difficulties require you to know what you're doing at all times. Yeah. And so when you go into it halfway through, picking it back up, you forgot everything you were doing. You have no idea what's going on, and you will fail. And it's not, it's not like riding a bike in the sense of like, oh yeah, you kind of have the muscle memory. It's, it's like riding a bike after you haven't in a long time in the sense of you fall down a lot, and you bust your knees up, and you don't want to do it anymore. It's like picking up to go ride a bike, but someone is actively throwing rocks at you while another kid is trying to put a stick <laughs> in your spokes. Best, like, yeah, that's uh, it's, definitely like, it's definitely like riding a bike, but like someone is making it much harder for you right now. Right. I I, th- I think the the secret whenever somebody figures it out, someone coming up with a way like like where the game's like, oh, you haven't played in six months. Here's a mid game tutorial for you of what you have learned so far that you need to be reminded of. And here's some little mini games to play to get you up to speed on how the controls work. And yeah. now you're back in the game. So like it somebody, wouldn't, mess, it wouldn't mess with the difficulty at all. Just like, hey, I forgot some stuff. I don't want to make a new profile to learn this stuff. Right. Just call it like be gentle mode or something like like for the next week, the game's just going to take it a little easy on you while you uh, while you get back in. 
Yeah, just anything to help ease me into this muscle memory that I have to get back into. That would be nice. So any game developers out there, if you could just make this for me, that'd be great. So uh, go, go do that in your free time, which I'm sure game developers have. Yes, of course. All the spare time. All, all the spare is, time. All the spare time that game devs have. Yeah, I mean, 80 hours a week working on the game. What are you doing, you know, with the other however many hours are left? You know, just think of me. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You, uh, obviously, you've got a lot of stuff you can't talk about. Do you have anything, do you have anything coming up that you can that you're excited about? Or is it all, uh, you know, very hush-hush for the moment? Uh, later on in the month, I have a book going to Kickstarter called Incantations. Have you have you tweeted about that? I feel like that sounds familiar. I have. Okay. I've, in fact, I've probably even retweeted it, which is why I think it's familiar. Yeah. Describe um, Incantations for me. Uh, Incantations is a book. Oh, I remember on, now. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. I am excited about this. Okay, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> t- t- tell tell about it because I'm pumped about this. It's a book focusing on longer form spells. They take a bit hard. They're a bit harder to cast. They require more from the caster to pull off, and you can't learn them naturally. Uh, but they provide effects that change uh, the way you go about day to day in D anD D, or change in how you go about the game. Uh, we have, like, for example, we have a spell called Skybound Sails that uh, will let you enchant a ship to fly. Or we have a spell that allows you to enchant weapons, provided that you're a high enough level and you have the resources for it. But then we also have stuff like... I don't want to spoil too much. Yeah, and, I just and you should mid, I just really have mid-sense. I don't want to spoil too much. But it's all about changing a little bit of how you can approach the game. Because um, I like changing up metas just a little bit. And I think spellcasting is a fun way to do that. And it's it, there was a gap in what people are making, and so I'm making that. Which I, which I'm excited about because I, I think for me it addresses like one of the, um, I don't know, one of the immersion breakers of D and D. It's like you're you're playing a magic character, and you can do all this amazing stuff, primarily in combat, and then you're like, well, wait, I can I can throw a fireball that murders everyone, or I can see into the future, but then in my day to day life. I can clean dirt off my clothes. Like, like it it feels like it answers that void or that kind of missing bit of like, okay, but what are, what can you do with magic? If you're taking the time, like, like it brings it more into the role play reality. Um, and that's why I'm excited for it. Yeah. There's my, one of my favorite things to do in, in games and journals, just have downtime and see what people do when they're allowed to just do whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I don't know. Shopping episodes and streams tend to be one of some of my favorite episodes when it's done right. I, I would totally agree. And I think that when people are good at role play, that actually gives you it, it gives you something different that you're not getting um, as a viewer or a player all the time and opportunities to engage or grow your character in a way that um, maybe is a little bit outside of the, you know, the rules as written. Mm-hmm. It's very player centric rather than game centric. Yeah. And like you can't you can write hard set rules for what to do when you're not killing stuff. And some games have done that very well, but by and large games don't address that. And 
because when games don't address that directly, some people don't engage with it at all. Yeah, sometimes you need, I've, I've talked about this a lot, but you need boundaries to be able to explore. And so if you, for a lot of people, if you don't have that, like, this is how, you know, this is a good way for you to explore using magic outside of combat. People aren't, they're, they're just not going to think about it. And so by giving them kind of those, those strictures, you allow them to, which I think is fun. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to end this episode without asking you um, about Tampo because uh, it is a, it's a stream that you DM in yeah. Sina Una. And so I, I it's, tell me about it. It has a kick-ass cast too. So how, how did that come about? What's that been like? Uh, and obviously where can people check it out? Uh, so the slight correction is Tampo. Uh, we'll see. Thank you. I was like, as soon as I said, it, I was like, Oh, I'm pronouncing that wrong. Cool. Tom. Yeah, no worries. Now we um, all know we've all learned. Yeah. This came about cause, uh, I have, a, I have friends who are over at rock punch ATL who are part of, I have friends over the D for D and D stream. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And rock punch ATL is a production company and they're looking to do more RPG content. Uh, a person who works, uh, with them, uh, who, is if I'm going, I want to remember her Twitter handle because she is fantastic. But her Twitter handle is real Babs the Bat. Babs and has she, been on this show before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She reached out and said, "Hey, we're looking to do more RPG content. Would you be interested in doing a show with us?" I said yes, uh, and I got in touch with for season one Joshua Simons who. I already knew from around the Twitter sphere, uh, Latija Keys, who I am active friends with. When I was living in Chicago, we hung out. When and been play, we were we're in currently just a, a a home Monday game. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, uh, Mackenzie Lane de Armas, who I worked with on Cena Uno, who I'm roommates with now, uh, and Critical Bard, who I was already friends with from meeting up with them at C two E two. Uh, and the four of us, the five of us played in a season for 10 episodes. And we knew already that we wanted to do a season two because we liked working with each other. Unfortunately, we couldn't have Mackenzie join just because of scheduling. Mm-hmm. Because she, eh, she gets out of work already. We start at a time when she's still in work. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so we had to find someone else. And so we brought in the other main person from Sina Una, Lucia. And currently we're on a week break because Josh was moving and uh, Lucia has another obligation. And we're resuming with episode five uh, on my birthday, June 11th. Happy early birthday. Thank you. That should be a lot of fun. And is this season going to run, uh, if you if you know yet, for kind of 10 episodes like the first season? or? Um... Oh, we're, we're actually going for around 30. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So cool. So, and, and your DMing, so you're getting to kind of build a story in the setting that you helped build. Is it, is that fun to create in a space that you already helped create? It's fun to take it just a step further for, for what I want to do. Cause how I like to run games and how anybody will like to run games is generally very different from how the setting is written. Um, it, it's when you write campaign settings, it comes the acknowledgement of people will do this, what they want to do with it. And being able to run Cine Una in a way that I like to run Cine Una yeah. is very freeing. That makes total sense. And so 30 episodes, that means even when this comes out, um, you know, people, 
absolutely have a chance because you're early on in the second season. So people will even have a chance to catch up and watch live if they want to um, at twitch.tv slash rock punch ATL. Uh, so that, that'll be pretty cool. People can, I assume they don't have to have seen the first season to enjoy what you're doing in the second. Not at all. Very cool. Oh. Yeah. It's entirely new characters, entirely new uh, storyline. Cause I don't know. I don't like doing sequels. It feels like there's a lot of like unnecessary baggage with doing a sequel as a storyteller because you feel like you have to pay a certain amount of service to what came before and you know <clears throat> when maybe all you want to do is just tell a new story. Yeah, it's I have this very heavy thing of things have to die for them to have any kind of real meaning. Mm. Uh and that mostly applies to stories. They have to end at some point, which makes watching Marvel movies very hard sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I, I relate to that very much. There's, there's no tension here because everything will be fine. And if it isn't fine, it's probably expected because we know that, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is ready to move on from the role. So <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it's all right. We have the story. It's going to connect to this story and 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 to this story. And it it's on and on and on and never ending. I Yeah, I I generally prefer either more controlled narratives or just one off stories. Yeah, more than just a whole new thing uh, interconnected with all kinds of other storylines. It's part of why I can't read a lot of comics. Yeah, I mean, same, obvious, same reason as, as Marvel movies, obviously. Uh, did you watch, did you watch Watchmen on HBO? I did not know. Okay, well, this, uh, I'm not going to do, oh, you have to watch it. It's a good show, but it is, uh, it's not the Marvel thing. It is self-contained. It's one season, it's a story, and it ends, and it's like, yeah, it's over, deal with it. And, and it makes you, I honestly think that makes you think more about the thing you just watched or the content you just consumed because you're not already going, okay, well, what's next? Like you have to, you have to kind of sit with whatever you just, uh, whatever you watched or read and, and kind of, you know, absorb it a bit more. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, we, man, an hour has flown by. Uh, it has been awesome, awesome chatting with you. We're going to keep chatting, I think for a few more minutes for, uh, for my Patreon supporters. And if you support the show at patreon.com slash roll for persuasion, you know this already, but if you don't, and this is maybe your first episode, if you support the show, you get access to the Zone of Truth segment, along with some other fun stuff. But the Zone of Truth segment, which is one of my favorite parts of the show, where I chat with my guests about, oh, I, I like to describe it as the any reason besides why they're here today. So uh, hobbies or interests or nerdy things people are into. Um, we've had great discussions with all sorts of awesome guests. The back catalog is like 50 plus episodes with these segments. So if you support the show, you get access to all of that, as well as Paladin's episode here today. I kind of, I, I teed this up for you a bit at the beginning, but have you had any thoughts about, uh, what, what you want to chat about? We got like 10 to 15 minutes, um, for, for the Patreon supporters. What would, what are you into? What are you uh, obsessed with right now? That would be fun to fun to chat for a bit about. Oh gosh. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Most of my life is dominated by teaching RPGs. Like on my left hand side, there is this entire full bookcase full of RPGs and the back of mine. I'm, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I need to get another one. <laughs> and it's like, like, a, like a small bookshelf either. It's yeah. like a full, like, it's a, it's a whole ass bookshelf. It's right. taller than me. It's nearly to the ceiling. 
it's got stuff stacked on top of it. Like it's a whole ass bookshelf. It's got so much RPG bullshit on it. Um, <laughs> well, then, then then maybe you end up being the rare exception where we uh where we just you know I don't know we we we've done pretty good about jumping from subject to subject. So maybe we just make this a bonus continuation of the ongoing conversation. Uh, well, I I was thinking like uh, I've been really on. I really enjoy really good video essays. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I nearly failed all of my English classes in high school because I couldn't write essays. Uh, but I'm infamous among my peers of like writing these long-winded Twitter essays. Right. Um, and it's just. I don't know. The fact that I really engage with and write essays when I couldn't write any of them when I was younger, the cruel irony doesn't escape me. Well, it probably tells you, and we'll save this for the bonus segment, but it probably tells you that maybe the thing that caused you struggle with it early on wasn't so much the actual writing of the essay or the gathering of thoughts might have been something else. I have a similar story about like math. Um, but we'll get into that in the zone of truth segment coming up after the, uh, after the end of the episode. So if you're interested, please support the show at patreon.com slash roll for persuasion to hear whatever the hell it is we're going to talk about. Uh, Paladin, thank you so much for joining. Where can people find you online to keep up with you, to read your Twitter essays and to see whatever content you have coming out? You can find me on Twitter under HTT Paladin. Uh, you can find me on Instagram under HTT Paladin, but I don't really do much there. Uh, And by the time this episode is out, I'll have a Patreon out. (laughs) Exciting. So you can support two Patreons this month. Hey. So we'll, uh, then, then I will try and touch base with you then before this episode drops. So we can throw that in the, the show notes. If not, we'll just link it in the announcement tweet, but, uh, make sure you're following on, on the socials, uh, Twitter to, to see everything going on. Um, and thank you. Thank you so much for joining. It's been great getting to talk and I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, talking about uh, video essays and just essays in general, because I actually think that's going to be a really fun conversation. Well, thank you. Happy to be here, man. And of course, for those of you who uh, maybe you're just discovering the show or you are listening for the second or third or 50th time, I don't know. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, I do this to share fun stories with all of y'all. If you feel so led, go to whatever podcast platform of your choice, leave the show a review. Um, Those are the literal lifeblood of podcasts, and I would appreciate it if you did. You can keep up with the show, new episodes, merch, whatever you're into at rollpersuasion.com. Follow us on Twitter and occasionally Instagram at rollpersuasion. And yeah, until next time, guys, enjoy your games. Enjoy your games.